Chapter 17 of Toby Tyler or Ten Weeks with a Circus. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James O'Connor. Toby Tyler or Ten Weeks with a Circus by James Otis. Chapter 17 Off for Home. During this walk, Toby learned many things that were of importance to him, so far as his plan for running away was concerned. In the first place, he gleaned from the railroad posters that were stuck up in the hotel to which they went that he could buy a ticket for Guilford for seven dollars, and also that by going back to the town from which they had just come, he could go to Guilford by steamer for five dollars. By returning to this last town, and Toby calculated that the fare on the stage back there could not be more than a dollar, he would have ten dollars left, and that surely ought to be sufficient to buy food enough for two days for the most hungry boy that ever lived. When they returned to the circus grounds, the performance was over, and Mr. Lord, in the midst of the brisk trade which he usually had after the afternoon performance, and yet, so far from scolding Toby for going away, he actually smiled and bowed at him as he saw him go by with Ben. See there, Toby, said the old driver to the boy, as he gave him a vigorous poke in the ribs, and then went off into one of his dreadful laughing spells. See what it is to be a performer, and not workin' for such an old fossil as Job is? He'll be so sweet to you now that sugar won't melt in his mouth, and there's no chance of his ever attempting to whip you again. Toby made no reply, for he was too busily engaged thinking of something which had just come into his mind to know that his friend had spoken. But as old Ben hardly knew whether the boy had answered him or not, owing to his being obliged to struggle with his breath, lest he should lose it in the second laughing spell that attacked him, the boy's thoughtfulness was not particularly noticed. Toby walked around the showgrounds for a little while with his old friend, and then the two went to supper, where Toby performed quite as great wonders in the way of eating as he had in the afternoon by riding. As soon as the supper was over, he quietly slipped away from old Ben and at once paid a visit to Mr. and Mrs. Treat, whom he found cosily engaged with their supper behind the screen. They welcomed Toby most cordially, and despite his assertions that he had just finished a very hearty meal, the fat lady made him sit down to the box which served his table and insisted on his trying some of her doughnuts. Under all these pressing attentions, it was some time before Toby found a chance to say that which he had come to say and when he did he was almost at a loss how to proceed. But at last he commenced by starting abruptly on his subject with the words, I've made up my mind to leave tonight. Leave tonight, repeated the skeleton inquiringly, not for a moment believing that Toby could think of running away after the brilliant success he had just made. What do you mean, Toby? Why, you know that I've been wanting to get away from the circus, said Toby, a little impatient that his friend should be so wonderfully stupid. And I think that I'll have as good a chance now as ever I shall. So I'm going to try it. 
bless us exclaimed the fat lady in a gasping way you don't mean to say that you're going off just when you've started in the business so well i thought you'd want to stay after you had been so well received this afternoon no said toby and one quick little sob popped right up from his heart and out before he was aware of it i learned to ride because i had to but i never gave up running away i must see uncle dan'l and tell him how sorry i am for what i did and if he won't have anything to say to me then i'll come back but if he'll let me i'll stay there and i'll be so good that by and by he'll forget that i run off and left him without saying a word there was such a touch of sorrow in his tones so much pathos in his way of speaking that good mrs treat's heart was touched at once and putting her arms around the little fellow as if to shield him from some harm she said tenderly and so you shall go toby my boy but if you ever want a home or anybody to love you come right here to us and you'll never be sorry so long as sam keeps thin and i fat enough to draw the public you never need say that you're homeless and nothing would please us better than to have you come to live with us for reply toby raised his head and kissed her on the cheek a proceeding which caused her to squeeze him harder than ever during this conversation the skeleton had remained very thoughtful after a moment or two he got up from his seat went outside the tent and presently returned with a quantity of silver tin cent pieces in his hand here toby he said and it was to be seen that he was really too much affected even to attempt one of his speeches it's right that you should go for i've known what it is to feel just as you do what lily said about your having a home with us i say and here's five dollars that i want you to take to help you along at first toby stoutly refused to take the money but they both insisted to such a degree that he was actually forced to and then he stood up to go i'm going to try to slip off after job packs up the outside booth if i can he said and it was to say good-bye that i come around here again mrs treat took the boy in her arms as if it were one of her own children who was leaving her and as she stroked his hair back from his forehead she said don't forget us toby even if you never do see us again try and remember how much we cared for you and how much comfort you're taking away from us when you go for it was a comfort to see you around even if you wasn't with us very much don't forget us toby and if you ever get the chance come and see us good-bye toby good-bye and the kind-hearted woman kissed him again and again and then turned her back resolutely upon him lest it should be bad luck to him if she again saw him after saying good-bye the skeleton's parting was not quite so demonstrative he clasped toby's hand with one set of his fleshless fingers while with the other he wiped one or two suspicious-looking drops of moisture from his eyes as he said i hope you'll get along all right my boy and i believe you will you will get home to uncle daniel and be happier than ever for now you know what it is to be entirely without a home be a good boy mind your uncle go to school and one of these days you'll make a good man good-bye my boy the tears were now streaming down toby's face very rapidly he had not known in his anxiety to get home 
how very much he cared for this strangely assorted couple, and now it made him feel very miserable and wretched that he was going to leave them. He tried to say something more, but the tears choked his utterance, and he left the tent quickly to prevent himself from breaking down entirely. In order that his grief might not be noticed and the cause of it suspected, Toby went out behind the tent, and sitting there on a stone, he gave way to the tears which he could no longer control. While he was thus engaged, heeding nothing which passed around him, he was startled by a cheery voice which cried, Halloo down in the dumps again! What is the matter now, my bold equestrian? Looking up, he saw Ben standing before him, and he wiped his eyes hastily, for here was another from whom he must part, and to whom a good-bye must be spoken. Looking around to make sure that no one was within hearing, he went up very close to the old driver and said in almost a whisper, I was feeling bad cause I just come from Mr. and Mrs. Treat, and I've been saying good-bye to them. I'm going to run away tonight. Ben looked at him for a moment, as if he doubted whether the boy knew exactly what he was talking about, and then said, So you still want to go home, do you? Oh, yes, Ben, so much, was the reply, in a tone which expressed how dear to him was the thought of being in his old home once more. All right, my boy, I won't say one word again it, though it do seem too bad after you've turned out to be such a good rider, said the old man thoughtfully. It's better for you, I know, for a circus ain't no place for a boy, even if he wants to stay, and I can't say but I'm glad you're still determined to go. Toby felt relieved at the tone of this leave-taking. He had feared that old Ben, who thought a circus rider was almost on the topmost round of fortune's ladder, would have urged him to stay since he had made his debut in the ring, and he was almost afraid that he might take some steps to prevent his going. I wanted to say good-bye now, said Toby in a choking voice, because perhaps I shan't see you again. Good-bye, my boy, said Ben, as he took the boy's hand in his. Don't forget this experience you've had in running away, and if ever the time comes that you feel as if you wanted to know that you had a friend, Think of old Ben, and remember that his heart beats just as warm for you as if he was your father. Good-bye, my boy, good-bye, and may the good God bless you. Good-bye, Ben, said Toby, and then as the old driver turned and walked away, wiping something from his eye with the cuff of his sleeve, Toby gave full vent to his tears, and wondered why it was that he was such a miserable little wretch. There was one more good-bye to be said, and that Toby dreaded more than all the others. It was to Ella. He knew that she would feel badly to have him go, because she liked to ride the act with him that gave them such applause, and he felt certain that she would urge him to stay. Just then the thought of another of his friends, one who had not yet been warned of what very important matter was to occur, came into his mind and he hastened toward the old monkey's cage. His pet was busily engaged in playing with some of the younger members of his family, and for some moments could not be induced to come to the bars of the cage. 
At last, however, Toby did succeed in coaxing him forward, and then taking him by the paw, and drawing him as near as possible, Toby whispered, We're going to run away tonight, Mr. Stubbs, and I want you to be all ready to go the minute I come for you. The old monkey winked both eyes violently, and then showed his teeth to such an extent that Toby thought he was laughing at the prospect, and he said a little severely, If you had as many friends as I have got in this circus, you wouldn't laugh when you was going to leave them. Of course, I've got to go, and I want to go, but it makes me feel bad to leave the skeleton and the fat woman, and old Ben and little Ella, but I mustn't stand here. You be ready when I come for you, and by morning we'll be so far off that Mr. Lord nor Mr. Castle can't catch us. The old monkey went toward his companions, as if he were in high glee at the trip before him, and Toby went into the dressing tent to prepare for the evening's performance, which was about to commence. It appeared to the boy as if everyone was unusually kind to him that night, and, feeling sad at leaving those in the circus who had befriended him, Toby was unusually attentive to everyone around him. He ran on some trifling errand for one, helped another in his dressing, and in a dozen kind ways seemed as if trying to atone for leaving them secretly. When the time came for him to go into the ring and he met Ella, bright and happy at the thought of riding with him and repeating her triumphs of the afternoon, nothing save the thought of how wicked he had been to run away from good old Uncle Daniel and a desire to right that wrong in some way prevented him from giving up his plan of going back. The little girl observed his sadness, and she whispered, Has anyone been whipping you, Toby? Toby shook his head. He had thought that he would tell her what he was about to do just before they went into the ring, but her kind words seemed to make that impossible, and he had said nothing when the blare of the trumpets, the noisy demonstrations of the audience, and the announcement of the clown that the wonderful children riders were now about to appear ushered them into the ring. If Toby had performed well in the afternoon, he accomplished wonders on this evening, and they were called back into the ring not once but twice, and when finally they were allowed to retire, every one behind the curtain overwhelmed them with praise. Ella was so profuse with her kind words, her admiration for what Toby had done, and so delighted at the idea that they were to ride together, that even then the boy could not tell her what he was going to do but went into his dressing-room, resolving that he would tell her all when they both had finished dressing. Toby made as small a parcel as possible of the costume which Mr. and Mrs. Treat had given him, for he determined that he would take it with him, and putting it under his coat went out to wait for Ella. As she did not come out as soon as he expected, he asked someone to tell her that he wanted to see her, and he thought to himself that when she did come, she would be in a hurry, and could not stop long enough to make any very lengthy objections to his leaving. But she did not come out at all. Her mother sent out word that Toby could not see her until after the performance was over, owing to the fact that it was now nearly time for her to go into the ring, and she was not dressed yet. Toby was terribly disappointed. He knew that it would not be safe for him to wait until the close of the performance, if he were intending to run away that night, and he felt that he could not go until he had said a few last words to her. 
He was in a great perplexity until the thought came to him that he could write a goodbye to her, and by this means any unpleasant discussion would be avoided. After some little difficulty, he procured a small piece of not very clean paper and a very short bit of lead pencil, and using the top of one of the wagons as he sat on the seat for a desk, he indicted the following epistle. Dear Ella, I am going to run away tonight, and I want to say goodbye to you and your mother. I am small, and Uncle Dan'l says I don't mount too much but I am old enough to know that you have been good to me, and when I am a man, I will buy you a whole circus, and we will ride together. Don't forget me, and I want you in haste. Toby Tyler Toby had no envelope in which to seal this precious letter, but he felt that it would not be seen by prying eyes and would safely reach its destination if he entrusted it to old Ben. It did not take him many moments to find the old driver, and he said as he handed him the letter, I didn't see Ella to tell her I was going, so I wrote this letter, and I want to know if you will give it to her. Of course I will, but see here, Toby, and Ben caught him by the sleeve and led him aside where he would not be overheard. Have you got money enough to take you home? For if you haven't, I can let you have some and Ben plunged his hand into his capacious pocket as if he was about to withdraw from there the entire United States Treasury. Toby assured him that he had sufficient for all his wants, but the old man would not be satisfied until he had seen for himself, and then taking Toby's hand again he said, Now, my boy, it won't do for you to stay around here any longer. Buy something to eat before you start and go into the woods for a day or two before you take the train or steamboat. You're too big a prize for Job or Castle to let you go without a word, and they'll try their level best to find you. Be careful now, for if they should catch you, goodbye any more chances to get away. There, and Ben suddenly lifted him high from the ground and kissed him. Now get away as fast as you can. Toby pressed the old man's hand affectionately, and then without trusting himself to speak, walked swiftly out toward the entrance. He resolved to take Ben's advice and go into the woods for a short time, and therefore he must buy some provisions before he started. As he passed the monkey's cage, he saw his pet sitting near the bars, and he stopped long enough to whisper, I'll be back in ten minutes, Mr. Stubbs, and you be all ready then. Then he went on, and just as he got near the entrance, one of the men told him that Mrs. Treat wished to see him. Toby could hardly afford to spare the time just then, but he would probably have obeyed the summons if he had known that by so doing he would be caught, and he ran as fast as his little legs would carry him toward the skeleton's tent. The exhibition was open, and both the skeleton and his wife were on the platform when Toby entered but he crept around at the back and up behind Mrs. Treat's chair, telling her as he did so that he had just received her message, and that he must hurry right back, for every moment was important then to him. I put up a nice lunch for you, she said as she kissed him, and you'll find it on the top of the biggest trunk. Now go, and if my wishes are of any good to you, you will get to your Uncle Daniel's house without any trouble. Goodbye again, little one.
Toby did not dare to trust himself any longer where everyone was so kind to him. He slipped down from the platform as quickly as possible, found the bundle, and a good-sized one it was too, without any difficulty, and went back to the monkey's cage. As orders had been given by the proprietor of the circus that the boy should do as he had a mind to with the monkey, he called Mr. Stubbs, and as he was in the custom of taking him with him at night, no one thought that it was anything strange that he should take him from the cage now. Mr. Lord or Mr. Castle might possibly have thought it queer had either of them seen the two bundles which Toby carried, but fortunately for the boy's scheme, they both believed that he was in the dressing tent and consequently thought that he was perfectly safe. Toby's hand shook so that he could hardly undo the fastening of the cage, and when he attempted to call the monkey to him, his voice sounded so strange and husky that it startled him. The old monkey seemed to prefer sleeping with Toby rather than with those of his kind in the cage, and as the boy took him with him almost every night, he came on this particular occasion as soon as Toby called, regardless of the strange sound of his master's voice. With his bundles under his arm and the monkey on his shoulder, with both paws tightly clasped around his neck, Toby made his way out of the tent with beating heart and bated breath. Neither Mr. Lord, Castle, nor Jacobs were in sight, and everything seemed favorable for his flight. During the afternoon he had carefully noted the direction of the woods, and he started swiftly toward them now. Stopping only long enough, as he was well clear of the tents, to say in a whisper, Goodbye, Mr. Treat and Mrs. Treat, and Ella and Ben. Sometime when I'm a man, I'll come back and bring you lots of nice things, and I'll never forget you, never. When I have a chance to be good to some little boy that felt as bad as I did, I'll do it, and tell him that it was you did it. Goodbye. Then, turning around, he ran towards the woods as swiftly as if his escape had been discovered, and the entire company were in pursuit. End of chapter 17 Recording by James O'Connor, Randolph, Massachusetts, July 2010